We strive. I'm confident and I have faith in my resourcefulness. Resourcefulness. We're just taking an existing process, making it easier, mm -hmm. and I think our customers love us for that. Customers love us for that. All right, that's a little sick intro. I had my fun, but let's get to it. We Strive Podcast, Season 2. We interview badass entrepreneurs. They have had exits. They're killing the game. Here are their stories. Let's get it. This week, I got to interview Tommy Griffith, who is basically the king of SEO. Uh, if you don't know what SEO is, it's search engine optimization. Like when you go on Google, why is the first thing the first thing? Why isn't it the eighth thing? That means your SEO is really good. Your company's killing it in that front. And Tommy is one of the best at it. He did SEO for Airbnb, SEO for PayPal, multiple other companies. And he's created his own company, ClickMinded. He goes through his whole story of going from this incredible job to all of a sudden becoming a startup and what it really takes to truly build a company. Um, I couldn't think of a better person to put on this podcast because... What he did was exactly what uh, a lot of people that are listening are trying to do too, trying to take their business or trying to leave another business to create their own. Um, and he's done a remarkable job of it. Couldn't be more than happy to have Tommy Griffith. Thanks so much, Corey, for having me on the show. Uh, my name is Tommy Griffith. I run a digital marketing training platform called ClickMinded. We teach marketers and entrepreneurs how to do digital marketing. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an SEO guy. I've been doing search engine optimization for about 10 years. And prior to this, I was managing search engine optimization at PayPal and Airbnb in San Francisco, California. Dude, you have an awesome voice too. I, I was I was going to tell you that before <laughs> we started, but I'll be there. You have like the perfect like welcome to one of yours. <laughs> it's like, it's like should perfect, I give this up man. and do like the AM like disc jockey thing? Is that like radio talk show or something like that? Maybe maybe that's it. <laughs> I was going to say if you want to just take over, I want to take over my podcast, man. Like I mean, I might just. I just give you, there you give go. you the raise. I don't know. Uh, I'm sh I'm sure with your SEO skills, you could just make a better one. To be honest, so um, so you run you run ClickMinded. Give us like a quick overview, a click overview, if you will, of uh, what you guys do. Yeah, so uh, ClickMinded started as an offline course. Um, I was managing search engine optimization at PayPal and started a uh, kind of started teaching. SEO on the side on the weekends. I would rent out a co-working space in San Francisco and, and host in-person classes teaching startups and uh, entrepreneurs and marketers search engine optimization. Uh, eventually turned it into an online course and it kind of grew and grew and grew. I started using it at Airbnb uh, to teach up my colleagues. So anyone that joined the SEO team, the growth part of the growth team at Airbnb, the data scientists and designers and engineers that, that joined it um, would all use the product. I would have them use the product before they joined the team. Um, it started to grow a lot. Uh, it ended up started. It ended up bringing in more revenue than my salary eventually. And then two years, I left Airbnb to go full time on it. So once I went full time, uh, we expanded it. So now we do seven different courses on digital marketing. We focus on entrepreneurs, in house marketers, and consultants or agencies, uh, specifically people that want to train up their teams. Um, and then our models, we try and use world class experts that do this stuff every day, right? So. Our social media course is taught by the former head of social media at Airbnb. The content marketing course is taught by the former content strategist from Lyft. And we kind of try and find these, um, these experts that are doing this stuff at companies where, where it's really important. You know, one other thing, I guess, that's a little bit different about us is 
all of our stuff is lifetime access and free updates for life. So when you enroll, it's like a one-time thing. And then we're, we push out updates all the time. So um, we have people that are enrolled with us back in 2012 and they're, they got an update last week on, on the course. So we kind of have, it's, it's sort of one spot and the onus is on us to keep everything up to date and make sure you know uh, what's going on. That's so awesome. And, and one thing I love about having these podcasts online um, is that I can mute myself and just type the shit out of my computer for like the million questions <laughs> I just had throughout that, that three, like that maybe one minute spin, spin you just went on. Um, okay. So are all those people that you hired, uh, like, you know, you got Airbnb guy, Lyft guy, just name dropping like crazy. Are these people that you have run into throughout your life, like living in the San Francisco area? Or those people that you worked with, like the Airbnb guys, that guy that you knew from work, and then you're like, hey, you know, like, come on here, and like, do you pay them and everything? Or is it like kind of, I mean, obviously, you know, they get paid somehow, but like, how, how are they compensated and all that? Yeah, so, um, I mean, our instructors are a mix of people I've worked with and um, yeah, pe- uh, people I've, like, I've met in one way or another or, or just reached out to. It's kind of a combination. Um, Men and women, actually, both both the instructors I I, um, I mentioned from Airbnb or Lyft are both are both women, um, and yeah, they don't they don't work for click minded. They they all are working at these big companies still. It's kind of a I have a, you know we have a team at click minded working on a lot of stuff, but our instructors we work with to kind of steal their time on the weekends, and they're still doing this stuff full time, but we steal them away to um, to create the courses, to do updates for the courses, stuff like that. So. Um, these yeah the instructors aren't um like click-minded employees they're all professionals that are doing you know doing their thing every day but we just uh beg borrow and steal and and, and grab their time and uh, work with them to to kind of create create a course very cool um and then and then how did you build that first SEO? i mean sorry that yeah that first seo class like when you were working at airbnb working at um uh, paypal so how do you just go like, all right, now I'm going to start teaching SEO. Was it super easy? Cause you're just like, Hey, I'm the guy that does this for Airbnb. Like, obviously you should listen to me. Or did you have kind of a struggle to start off and get that business going? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so I think you backing up a little bit, a lot of my story started with, a, with a lot of the misery of, of trying a first business that, that failed, that, that went really bad. Um, I, I graduated 2008 at the height of the recession, thought I was going to work at a bank. And my story kind of started by reading the Four Hour Work Week. Did you ever read that book? Uh, I did not, but I know what it is. I'm honestly like the worst CEO reader of all time. Um, but yeah, I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for anyone who hasn't, Four Hour Work Week, it was kind of it's probably a little out of date now, written in 2007 or 2008. But um, Tim Ferriss's book and the basic premise behind it was it was sort of the catalyst to get a lot of people excited about remote businesses. Um, he, he basically documented his story of having a, a company where his, his staff was remote and his, um, you know, his team was remote and he was kind of traveling and working on his product and, and things like that. And so I read this book, got really interested in search engine optimization and, and started a company with a friend of mine um, in Taiwan, <laughs> of all places. We started a medical tourism agency in Taiwan. We were focusing on, you're going to laugh at how bizarre and random this is, but <laughs> we were focusing on Americans age 45 to 65 that were underinsured or didn't have insurance that wanted knee or hip replacement <laughs> surgery. In, ta- in Taiwan? That, that wanted to go to Taiwan to do that? In Taiwan. Well, not necessarily wanted to go to Taiwan. They were looking for cost 
efficient alternatives. And we were kind of there for that, right? So uh, it's like a procedure that's, you know, forty dollars to $60,000 in the U.S. and in Taiwan, all in with, you know, doctors that speak English and went to Harvard and VIP accommodations, all in, it's about $10,000. And so um, we were a bunch of idiot 23-year-olds who had just recently learned internet marketing and, you know, tried to do this. And I was one of these guys, I was very blessed. My parents paid for university. Uh, I graduated school with no debt. And I ended up putting myself into debt, trying to start this startup idea. So we worked on it for a year. Uh, I did absolutely everything you can imagine wrong. Absolutely everything. And uh, after about a year, year and a half, like came home, table between my legs, like, hey, mom, hey, dad, there's a room on the couch, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. And, um, but it ended up just being right place, right time. PayPal was hiring an SEO manager. And um, I was, you know, I went from uh, running a very bad, dumb, stupid startup with a friend of mine to like managing SEO at one of the biggest websites in the world a, m- a month later. And uh, part of the motivation for ClickMinded was I was trying to pay off that debt. I had created all that debt for myself for that first business. And ClickMinded was like idea number 15. I had tried a lot of other things. But it ended up being the thing I really enjoyed. And then from there, it just kind of took off. Such a cool story. I mean, I can't imagine trying to open a open up shop in another country, um, especially like that, that kind of a the business. So <laughs> glad you uh, glad you moved on. Um, so how did you how did you get a job at it was PayPal mm-hmm. first, yep. right? How'd you get a job at PayPal doing SEO in the first place? Yeah, it's really, you know, I wish I had like a magic formula there. But I think um, like when you're talking about big companies like that, I think there's a lot of really dumb randomness there. And uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Like big companies are motivated by the most bizarre things. I mean, I wasn't, uh, it, it was really just right place, right time. And, you know, they were at the particular time, they were trying to find someone who could manage search engine optimization for emerging markets, like non-English languages. But it was one of these situations where I got hired. It took it took a little bit of time, but I got hired. And then like within the first week, I realized that like nobody was working on SEO anywhere. Like there was there was no one. They hired me to do like just non-English SEO, but no one was doing anything. So like the, the nature of my job changed 100% within like five days of getting there. So it was just like big company randomness, like getting lost in, in, in uh, what the company actually needs. And it was just really um, completely random more than anything. It wasn't like a testament to like skill <laughs> or anything like that, you know? You didn't, you didn't like out hack another person to get the job. You just kind of like, kind of got there. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> That's cool though. Man. Wait, so, uh, what did your job ultimately end up being like when you're, were you the head of SEO when you got to Airbnb or at the end of Airbnb or what, what was your job title? Like what was your da- daily job like? Yeah, it was, it's funny. Um, in, in a lot of these companies, especially the digital marketing stuff, um, the titles are, they don't ever really change or matter. I mean, they can a little bit, but I don't think my titles ever changed at either company the entire time I was there. But yeah, I mean, at, at Airbnb, I went in working with one other guy who was my boss, then he left and it was just me for a while. And then by the time I left, there was 12 people on my team. But I don't think I, <laughs> I don't think my title changed at all. But yes, I was, I was running, running search engine optimization at, at both. There was, there was, there was no one else at either. So, so what are you even doing on a daily basis? Like you're, you're, you know, you're updating meta tags and all that kind of stuff and stuff that's a little bit 
beyond my scope. I kind of understand the CEO, but I mean, what are you doing like 24 or seven while you're working there? I mean, what, like, what is a daily life? Look yeah. Like sitting you? on the beanbags, drinking kombucha. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no. So, um, like enterprise digital marketing is in specifically SEO enterprise SEO is extremely boring. Um, it's extremely unsexy and it's a lot of, um, big company stuff. So like, um, enterprise SEOs are not at all a lock to be actual good SEOs at like a small startup where they have to make a huge impact. And, um, people that are doing SEO at a small startup or a side project where they have to make a huge impact aren't necessarily good enterprise SEOs. It's a lot of, and this is always used in a negative way, but I don't mean it in a negative way. It's a lot of politics. Like, uh, a lot of technical politics. You spend a lot of time explaining to executives why <laughs> why you should make sure your pages are in Google's index and why you shouldn't block Google from your pages and why you why a search engine needs to find text on the page in order to understand what it is, right? So like um, the funniest way to explain this is Google has an SEO team. And if you think about how ridiculous that sounds, <laughs> Um, you don't, if, if that sounds ridiculous to you, you don't understand how big companies work, right? Because the, the, the nature of Google's SEO team is exactly what I just described. There's a lot of really aggressive, really smart product managers and engineers and designers that all went to MIT and Harvard and Yale and Rhode Island School of Design, and they all want to kick ass at work and they have really aggressive goals and they always, um, collide with each other, right? And it's the SEO team's kind of job to like make sure, you know, it's like, hey guys, SEO is 25% of company revenue. If you introduce this change to the site, it's going to go to zero. <laughs> like, let's not do that. And so it's a lot of that kind of stuff, right? So um, at different companies, it's different things. If a, if a company, I mean, there's, a, there's examples, for example, you know, I competed every single day with TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor is one of the best SEO teams in the, war, in, the, in the world. They're absolutely brutal. They're really good. Their CEO fully understands SEO and they have a massive team. Uh, in a lot of ways, they kicked our ass. They were, they were really, really good. At Airbnb, Airbnb is run by designers. Um, designers run the show. The design and user experience is first, second, and third place. And designers were constantly and relentlessly trying to get rid of SEO features, right? Remove the text, add more images, like kind of, you know, make things that are better for users, but like harder for search engines to understand. And so it's a lot of like, you know, um, a lot of that, a lot of that. And so uh, some people love that stuff. Some people absolutely despise that stuff. I wasn't built for that kind of stuff when I first started. I was more like nerd working on my own side projects and and interested in in actually implementing stuff, but you kind of have to turn into a bit more of a, of a like wheeler and dealer navigating the company sort of thing when you, when you get into it. And then I did that for a while and now, you know, it's been two years on my own business and I'm sort of back, back in the trenches. You know what I mean? No, absolutely, man. That's it. That's so, I don't know, again, like, I don't know very much all about SEO and I, I don't more than most people, but I mean, it all still kind of baffles me like how, there can be a whole team doing it all day. And then I do it like I have one <laughs> little thing and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like I know it's like, it's just like I'm not even close to done. Um, so what made, what made you get into SEO in the first place? Like what, and what makes you like an expert now? It was just all the years that you worked on it. And like, like when you started off, I saw that on your LinkedIn that you worked in Singapore as a um, kind of paid search expert. Like how, 
what what made you want to go into that field and like how did it lead into being uh, like an seo like god basically <laughs> seo god can i get Boom. can i get business cards like that or should i should i like should i, think, I, you, I think you can should i say that to people at the bar or how does that <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's uh, it's been said by someone else so i think it's official <laughs> um yeah so t- i mean to be honest a lot of it started with four hour work week and, and Tim Ferriss's book, you know, I uh, can find a job. Um, he kind of recommends in that book, um, starting with an informational product, his premise is like, okay, look, if you start a physical product, if you go create a physical product and you like outsource it to, you know, to China or something like that, it can work, but like eventually you get copied. But if you have this very specific set of knowledge, um, it's a little bit harder to copy. So like, what do you do that very few other people know? And at the time, this is a funny, absolutely obnoxious story, but at the time, you know, I was 22, I was thinking about what I wanted to do. And I had just, I had this funny story in college, a bunch of friends of mine and I started a fraternity. Um, and, nice. and so it was exactly as obnoxious as, as it sounds, but we started this fraternity. It kind of started as a joke. And then by the time I left, there was like a hundred guys in it, right? And so I'm reading Four Hour Work Week, and he's saying like, "What kind of special skill might you have?" And I checked the Google AdWords keyword planner, and it turns out like 1,500 people a month were searching for how to start a fraternity. And so that was sort of how I got into the game. I wrote this very dorky 60-page ebook on how to start a fraternity, <laughs> and I wrote it. I made a, I made a landing page for it. And I said, like, how do I get this to the top of Google? And I just started searching around for it, kind of taught myself and, and got it ranking, got it ranking number one. I started selling the book for $10. Nobody bought it. I dropped the price to $5. Nobody bought it. And then I increased the price to $47. And 250 people ended up buying it. <laughs> and so, That's yeah. And so that was sort of my jump into search engine optimization. I like, I, I you know, I, I played computer games as a kid. I liked video games. I was definitely a dork. And um, I ended up sort of replacing computer games with, with SEO. I really liked watching rankings go up and traffic go up and revenue go up. And it, to me, it all kind of was like, it felt a little bit more like a video game. And so um, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, all of a sudden, ten years later, I'm, I'm still doing it now. So, yeah, I love video games myself, but I definitely am not that good at SEO. So, <laughs> that's awesome, man. So, so what was the reason you ultimately left your job in the end? Was it? I mean, I know that you were making you know more money from this side gig that turned into your real not job today, but like, you know, what was the ultimate thing where you're like, okay, I can just do this full time? Was there like a specific day or like a moment just hit you, or like were you kind of planning it the whole time? Yeah, Corey, I mean, this is a really good question. And I wrestled with this one a lot. Um, and I, I I think I fumbled this one pretty hard, too. I did this, I did this wrong. But the, you know, a lot of your listeners might be thinking, like, you know, maybe they are, they're already entrepreneurs working on something, or maybe they're working for someone else and, and thinking about a side project that they're working on, or they want to start. And y- your situation will affect this a lot, right? So like, if you hate your job, um, it's pretty easy, right? You like open up the Excel sheet and it's like, okay, what are my living expenses? How much revenue is this thing bringing in? Like, what's the exact moment in time that I can bail, right? For me, it was a little different because I just, I had um, a lot of interesting, weird stuff going on. Like, you know, I joined Airbnb at a kind of a wild time. Um, I mean, the, the company was just going 
going nuts. I, I, the, the week I joined, Airbnb was subpoenaed by the state of New York for all their data. And the week I left, I worked on a Super Bowl ad and Beyonce had stayed in one, right? Like I, I joined with like a hundred something employees when I joined and like 2000 something when I left. None of my friends had heard of it when I joined. Everyone had heard of it when I left. The company doubled every single year for four years in a row. And it was just like absolutely bananas, right? It was just like, like a kind of a wild time to, to be there. So, um, and I mean, it was literally, literally rated by Glassdoor as the best place to work in the country, right? So it was just, it was kind of like a weird, I felt very unaccomplished there. Like even though the side project had started to take off, I, I still wanted to do a bunch of stuff and the colleagues were really cool and all that. So a lot of people listening might have this sort of like decision calculus sort of thing going on in their head. You don't, um, like it, of course, if you hate your job, it's easy and you and you want to build, it, it's easy, right? But for me, there was other stuff going on. Right? I mean, I was dating someone, like I had friends I still wanted to hang out with. I just kind of wasn't ready. Um, but also, the, I mean, the wounds were fresh, man. Like I, I, you know, I knew how bad it could get. I went off, you know, like an idiot and <laughs> borrowed a bunch of money and lit it all on fire. And I knew exactly how bad it could go. So um, I kind of took my time when I, when I, when I left and there were sort of two two things with that. The first one was, yeah, I was uh, I was more cautious about when I left the, the first time, but ultimately, I do think I did myself a little bit of a disservice where I gave myself way too long to plan. You know, like I I was sort of one of these guys who I waited a little bit too long to pull the trigger, and I you know I was really excited about. I don't know how familiar you are with this kind of like digital nomad movement that's going on now but the basic idea is yeah people going remote building their businesses and i mean if you open up instagram it's just like the hottest people you've ever seen in your life in bali you know coconuts laptop like <laughs> hanging out oh trust me i am i'm very much aware of these yeah people. <laughs> you know that's this game right and so i drank this kool-aid hard like i was i was like you know it's gonna be so great i'm gonna go to bali and you know um i'm gonna leave san francisco and this and that and when i finally pulled the trigger and made it to Bali. I, you know, I had spent so much time planning, and I had spent so much time, like, sort of uh, setting up the 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 idea of what my life was going to be, that my expectations were so high. Right, I had I had set my own personal expectations so high that the minute I got there, it was awful. Like the, <laughs> I arrived in Bali, I got robbed by the police. The, the, oh, you literally went to Bali. Like you, I thought you were just making a hypothetical, like everyone's doing that. You actually went no, to Bali. No, yeah, sorry. So when I left Airbnb, I, uh, I left San Francisco and have been, was traveling for the last two years. I've been traveling for the last two oh, years. Yeah. God, sorry. I thought you were talking about like everyone's in Bali and all of a sudden you're like, I got robbed in it, Bali. I was like, wait, you were actually in Bali? <laughs> okay, got yeah. So I moved, I moved from San Francisco to Bali to kind of start my, the basic plan was like, you know, grow my business and, and travel the world kind of thing. Like give it, give it another shot, you know? Um, and when I first got there, it was miserable. I, I, I showed up, I got robbed by the police the first day. <laughs> I got food poisoning and started like throwing up everywhere. I had decided to expand ClickMinded from one course to seven courses. And so it spent $15,000 sort of upgrading the product and filming new stuff. And all of the audio of the new courses we filmed was shot. We, we'd, I'd rented this big warehouse and it was raining really hard and all the audio was messed up. And so I'm sitting in Bali in this in this house, looking up at the sky. It was pouring raining. 
I'd just been robbed. I was throwing up from food poisoning. I'm holding this like external hard drive with $15,000 worth of garbage footage. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking back to like Airbnb and the MacBooks and the beanbag chairs and the unlimited breakfast, lunch and dinner and the stock options and all this stuff. And I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, why, <laughs> why am I here? You know? Um, God. and so, yeah, I think, I mean, ultimately, you know, I'm being a drama queen. We figured it out, got it sorted. Like the business is doing great now. I, was, I have a team of five and, uh, and everything's going great. But I think one big disservice I, I did for myself and maybe your listeners might be thinking about this as well is I gave myself a little bit too long to plan and I set my own expectations really, really, really high. And so if you are thinking about making that jump or you are thinking about, you know, expanding your business or whatever's next. Um, I can't stress how valuable it is to keep your expectations devastatingly low because um, otherwise, you know, even though, even if your life ends up great and you hit hitting all your goals, um, you can end up making yourself pretty miserable if your expectations are, are too high. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. I, I think what you did is really, 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 honestly smart from like a financial and like, you know, mental standpoint. But I mean, I, I feel like also it was, uh, you're right. It was way too calculated. Like you calculated it so much that like, if anything went wrong, it would have been like, what, this makes no sense. I, w I was ready. Like everything's perfect, you know? Um, right. Versus, versus the other end of the spectrum where I'm at, where, where it's like just an absolute shit show. It's like, Oh, hopefully this goes well. <laughs> uh, so I mean, definitely uh, I wish that there's somewhere in the middle that I think entrepreneurs should target. Um, which I think, I, I think like the whole quote unquote jump thing, um, you know, I jumped, I didn't even have a parachute, but I think you should jump with a parachute. Um, whereas I think you kind of just landed the plane. Um, I think the whole jumping with a parachute thing is there's a huge thrill behind it. Um, I took a little too much risk early on. And, uh, but that, that's such a cool story of like how you kind of got off the gate. I, that's so funny that you're actually involved. How did you like get like, I know, I know there's a whole sorts of like corrupt cop stuff, but like where they just kind of pull you over and just like take your money or something like that. Or, like, yeah. I mean, it actually, yeah, it probably happened three times or four times. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, it's, you know, if you look like a foreigner, um, whether or not you're following the rules doesn't really matter. And, uh, there's always something and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's so weird that it became, it becomes part of life that you literally like you get a wallet with it, with a secret stash section and you have a little bit of money in your main section and all, all your money in your in your secret stash section and like the first the first time i was robbed it was it, i mean it was never for a ton of money but it just sort of rattles you right it's just like a weird way to live your life yeah, every day sure, right yeah. the first time was like 80 yeah. 80 and then the second time i'd wised up and it was like 20 dollars, and the third time it was like seven dollars so it's nice but it's not really about the money it's like Hey man, like I'm going to the grocery store. Like I'm going to the gym. Are you, are you really going to rob me right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like a weird way to live your life. And it, it, uh, it, especially on your first day, right? <laughs> like it was just a lot. Yeah. Oh no, no, that, that's a, such a, yeah. I couldn't even imagine what it like, just an impact. It's like, Oh my God, what am right. I doing here? Just exactly. Like, yeah. Um, so how similar was your job back then to what you do now? I mean, I know as a CEO, even of an SEO company, like you're still doing CEO stuff 24 seven. I mean, you're on this podcast, you know, pr promoting your business and like, I mean, it's like, you know, how different is your everyday life now compared to back then? I mean, yeah, th there's no similarities at all. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's really, 
interesting. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade my experience at Airbnb for the world. It was, it was, it was great, but man, it's so, so, so different. Um, but it, it really does depend on, on, on what you want out of life. There's, uh, you know, having tried, tried to build a business that failed miserably and working on a business now that's doing great. Um, there are, you know, it's, it's so, there's so much survivorship bias in entrepreneurship now and everything you read is is only from the winners right people don't like to talk a lot about their losses i wrote a blog post recently um you know I, that i'd sent you Corey, about just kind of the last two years of my life and like an overview of what happened and i had a ton of losses and i just sort of i just sort of documented everything i put all the revenue numbers put all the things i messed up and um it's really interesting because on one hand, when you talk to other entrepreneurs and you hear a lot of this entrepreneur, like rah, rah stuff, everyone's saying, you got to do it. You got to do it, quit your job, this and that. But to be honest, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I love our business. I don't think I could ever work for anyone again, uh, but it's really reasonable to not want to start your own company. It, <laughs> starting your own company is in general, from a pure math perspective, it's stupid. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a good idea for most people. Um, and so, yeah, you know, um, Airbnbs, you know, the stock options in the 401k and their breakfast, lunch and dinner and, the uh, you know, clock out when you clock out sort of stuff. And, and now at work, it's like, you know, who do we hire? Who do we have to let go? What are we going to build next? Um, you know, oh my God, an algorithm update has, has dropped or increased revenue 20% overnight. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a lot more going on. So, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't even think of one similarity of the two. Yeah. And honestly, every single person that comes to me with an app idea, I, they're like, should I do it? I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, nope. nope. Not yes. Worth it. That I agree with you. Anyone that comes to you with an app idea, the auto answer in 99% of the time is no. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of times because they have a dumb idea, but also because like, honestly, because it's so difficult. And if I tell you no, and you still do it, then you probably should be doing it. Like should be because like you have that drive, like someone tells you, no, you're going to mm -hmm. keep going. And if you get told no by me and then you don't do it, it's like, okay, well, you definitely shouldn't have done it because that was just one no. Right. Um, but just, <laughs> right. The process in general is just like so difficult. Like, I mean, if I can go back in time, I've said this multiple times in the podcast, I think, but if I can go back in time, I would have launched my website first, built up, um, you know, a network through that and then launched the app. So we're kind of going at, the, at a, a totally different direction. Like we launched this amazing app with all these beautiful features but like there wasn't a lot of revenue behind it because most of that is going to come from the yep. website so it was kind of a kind of a dumb way to go about it but that's a quick rant that doesn't really matter for this podcast no, no i mean um, i would argue i would argue it does like this is the this is you know that's my medical tourism in taiwan move right like the, we we all have to go through that stuff you know i, would, I, would, I wouldn't say that but i, but I mean <laughs> you know it's, it's uh it's up there it's up there <laughs> fair enough um, Fair enough. Uh, so how cool is it being at Airbnb? And then, so I always like to think of it, like how much you're impacting like the world. So like, you probably didn't realize this. And if you realize this now, like, I mean, or you did at some point, I don't know, but when you're at Airbnb and you're doing SEO for Airbnb, isn't that cool that like, you're literally impacting like hundreds of thousands of people around the world, like for their travel decisions, like hundreds of thousands of people because of you and an SEO that you made better that popped up Airbnb first stayed in a specific place that they probably more, most likely enjoyed more than a hotel because of an SEO that you made. Have you ever thought about that? Damn. No. <laughs> that's, that, <laughs> that cool? That, I was thinking about that. I was like, what a cool, That like, is cool. You know? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, like things I had thought about were, you know, at the time, I think PayPal was, you know, the 50 or the 45th most trafficked site on earth and Airbnb was like in the 200 to 250 range. Um, and for context, there's, there's 1.5 billion websites in the world. So, um, they're, they're about as high traffic as you get. And so I'd always loved the fact that being at those companies and Airbnb was much, much, much better experience than, than, than PayPal. But, um, it was cool to make changes and see massive things happen. I mean, you really can move the internet around when you work at these kind of companies, which is, which is really cool. And we did, um, did really grow a lot at Airbnb. So that was cool. Um, yeah, in terms of like affecting people's lives, you're right. I mean, one thing, and this was this was a big flaw I had kind of going in Airbnb was, <clears throat> like I said before, I I liked watching the dashboards and like former, you know, kind of played computer games and video games and that kind of stuff. But Airbnb got got way um, really changed my my philosophy on humanizing the data a little bit. And what you just alluded to was like sort of what they did. Actually, you would have been a good good fit working there if you if you could ever work for someone again but the a lot of what they they did was you know i was i was like traffic guy and i was always looking at the traffic dashboards and like let's make traffic go up and let's run experiments and it was kind of always like numbers on a screen but a lot of the other designers and user experience researchers and 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 then the founders even um they really cared about about the people and sort of the whole experience. And Airbnb was amazing at this. They had rooms that at the at, at the HQ in San Francisco dedicated to user experience where they would bring users in, you know, give them a laptop or give them a, a desktop and watch them go through the travel booking process or the vacation planning process or the, the trip booking process and ask them so many questions and record the interviews and then bring more people in and they bring in old people and young people, right? And different color people and like all kinds of different people. And... um they record it all and they really humanize it a lot. And I, I messed this up when I, uh, when I was first there, which is like, I was always, you know, what's the traffic? What's, what's the experiment conclusion? Is it statistically significant? What's the revenue? But like when you, when you see these stories around like, yeah, you know, I found you guys and I proposed to my girlfriend in this, this, uh, villa or this house in Lake Tahoe or yeah, it was my, me and my wife's like 50th wedding anniversary or, Oh, this is my newborn babies with us. And you know, she's three months old and this is our first trip. And like, they were so good at that. And it turned me from like the cold calculating robot monster that I am <laughs> into, into humanizing the data. And I would actually say that we, we do this a lot now at ClickMinded and I highly recommend um, other start, other kind of startup founders think about this. And I'm not just trying to be like kind of a mushy sort of hallmark moment here. We got a lot of mileage out of getting our users on the phone, doing these really in-depth customer interviews and figuring out like what gets them out of bed, what keeps them up at night, what what's kind of in their heart. And we, we, you know, we change a lot of our sales page copy around it. We created different products around it. Um, if you're one of these more kind of quantitative people who you're sort of numbers focused, you know, of, of course there's, there's upside to that thinking, but I'd highly recommend getting a little bit more kind of human and, and emotional about it because we saw a massive lift in our own business by kind of doing the Airbnb thing of like um, humanizing the data a little bit more. You know what I mean? No, I 100% agree, man. And like actually a person in my network I'm very close with is obsessed with Airbnb. Every time I would bring up my app, even like just the early stages, he was like, this is what Airbnb does. 
like this is like an example of a deck they have like this is how they created their blah 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 and it's just like it was all like every time i would talk about anything he would go back to airbnb he'd be like well airbnb airbnb and it's like i feel like everything you guys did was so amazing and i'm actually on the same spectrum that they're on like i think of everything like as a human being like whenever we create our uh, when our platform launches like it, it like customer service is such a key and important thing to me so like it bothers me to my core that if like i was a trainer and I brought my clients on board. And then like, if something, if a page failed that as a founder, that would really bother me. Like I would, I actually want to make that person's experience better. And, um, I just think like the way they do things is so amazing. And I do think of like SEL, like, what is that, what is that person going through in their life? Like, how are they getting from this page to that page? So, um, you guys definitely dominate that Airbnb and I'm at, yeah, I'm completely the opposite of you. Like I should care so much more about data. I do not give a <laughs> And I've said this to, so that's why I'm trying to, I'm looking for uh, hiring a COO right now, someone that's super analytical. Cause I'm just like, like for me, if, if the person's having a good experience and it works and we keep improving upon that, then I don't care about anything else. I don't care like, oh, well they clicked on this page and then they thought about this page for a few, like, I don't care. I'm just like, did they do the thing? And then are they happy? Like, like that's all I care about. So and it's a terrible quality to have as a CEO. So I really need to find more data-driven people to help me out with that. Um, but no, I think you guys as a, as a company were absolutely killing it. And that's cool that you're able to take that from um, Airbnb and move it into ClickMinded. Yeah, for sure. And and you need both. I mean, don't get me wrong. If that's your if that's what your strength is, it, that, that's not a downside at all. But yeah, looking for someone that can that can help where uh, that can help where where you lack is, is is definitely a win for sure. I mean, we're the same way with at our business as well. No, absolutely. Um, so how does your guys' business work? Like, how do you guys make money? Like, what is what is the overall business model for ClickMinded? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, we have seven different digital marketing courses. Um, and uh, the vast majority of them are just kind of one-time um, one time fee. We do have one monthly recurring product, our, our SOP library. It's like a bunch of digital marketing checklists and cheat sheets and things like that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the majority of our users, they, they just kind of want a single, a single place to... Um, to learn digital marketing, get updates forever, and um, and they, they don't want to scour the rest of the internet. They kind of trust what we do. 95% of all the content we create is free. You can see all of it at clickminded.com. But uh, um, what we really kind of sell, quote unquote, is speed. Um, and this is actually in on, on our homepage copy and everywhere else is like, uh, people say, why do I need to sign up for ClickMinded? And our answer is, you don't. You absolutely do not. Um, there are plenty of blog posts and YouTube videos and tweets you can go through, and there's probably a hundred that have been posted, you know, since we started this this podcast. Um, and you absolutely do not need it. You absolutely can learn on your own. Plenty of people have learned on their own. I learned on my own. Uh, but what we sell is speed, right? Um, you know, I've, I've been doing this for ten years. Our experts have all been doing this for many, many years. Every course is three to six hours long, and the idea is like this is. Um, this is how these experts do it. You'll get updates forever when they do it. Um, check out the free stuff first. And if you like it, that's totally cool. Um, sign up. And if not, that's fine too. And people seem that seems to resonate with people and, and they like it and they sign up. Yeah, like I said, I mean, my, my buddy that introduced me to the website we'll touch on in a second, it was talking about ClickMind. That's kind of how we, we got to this point. So, I mean, definitely seems like an amazing platform and I will be, uh, I'll be purchasing my own course here very nice. soon. Uh, I, I, I probably will end up bringing someone on for SEO anyways, but I, as a, as a CEO, I like to, um, 
I like to kind of know a little bit about everything so that I can at least kind of have a conversation. Like when I'm talking with my development team, if I understand what Python and React are, then I can have a little bit better, you know, of an understanding. If they say anything past those coding languages, the name of them, I don't know anything, <laughs> but like, you know, just being able to go, like, oh yeah, React, that's what Facebook created for coding. I'm like, cool. Um, so um, you use AppSumo. AppSumo is a website where you can basically get these discounts for websites. Um, so why do you guys use AppSumo? Um, what is it about them you like? And then, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, AppSumo, um, for anyone unfamiliar, they're kind of like Groupon, Groupon for nerds. Um, they're a big, you know, they have a big email list and community of people and they, they kind of work with um, SaaS companies and digital product companies and offer big discounts. Um, we started with AppSumo in the early, early days, 2013 maybe. And it's just kind of been a tradition. Uh, we do we do one sort of annual deal per year with them where they beat us up and make us drop the price significantly. And, uh, and, um, and, we, and we do it. And uh, yeah, about one, in the early days, it was, it was really valuable. Probably one third of all click-minded users um, have come through AppSumo. Yeah, they're really good at at distribution and copywriting, and they 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 have a massive list of digital marketers. Um, they're in, interested in sort of these kind of products, and and we've been really tight with them. They've they've helped us grow. And I've speak I've spoken at their uh, conference a couple of years ago. I'm friends with the founder now, and all the all the team there. They're great. Um, and and yeah, it's just sort of it's not our standard channel. We you know we do do some joint ventures and have kind of done some of these other deals in the past, but they're not something we rely on as much. But with AppSumo, since we, we've just been with them in the in the early days, and it's just kind of this annual tradition that we sort of do now. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's crazy that I had never even heard of um, these guys until like like a two or like a month ago. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And it's so cool to go on the, I'm on the AppSumo website right now. I look you guys up and you guys have 4.95 out of 5. Um, absolutely killing it on the reviews. And then a 4.89 out of five, I guess someone gave you like a 4.9 or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not sure. That's, 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 that's awesome though, man. I know there's a lot of, a lot of uh, opinions going around, um, on that website, a lot of poorly rated, uh, platforms. That's cool that you guys are basically five stars. That's awesome. Um, how long did you wait after you created ClickMinded before you started like going after customers or did you already have customers in the beginning? Um, and I think I might've deleted this earlier than added, I don't know, but I mean, I feel like as a SEO company, did you want to wait until you had really good SEO and you popped up and everything was completely done? Or was it like you started click-minded and then that day you were already getting customers? Yeah, Corey, this is a great question. I mean, I think a lot of people that are thinking about this and whether they have a, they just started their business or they're kind of thinking about a side project, they, they sort of underrate how difficult it is to get your first users. And my situation was exactly the situation you described. I, I was a, teaching an offline SEO course, um, but but SEO takes time, right? And I was sort of working on my own rankings and waiting for the traffic to go, go to go up, and uh, was getting very antsy. And so while I was kind of waiting for rankings to go up, I had this idea, and I I printed out three thousand flyers. I went to, that was kind of like, you know, click-minded SEO training course, like learn SEO Saturday, you know, Saturday mornings, um, $497, something like that. And so I printed out through these flyers and like the kind of flyers you would see in like a laundromat. <laughs> and um, 
I snipped the bottoms of them. Like I had a, I had these little like pull tabs on them. I said like, you know, email, like email me, Tommy at clickminded.com. And like, here, here's the discount. Like, like the way a babysitter would do it. Right. And I had my friends help me like snip the bottoms and uh, so people could pull them away. And I took a day off work. I got a big thing of duct tape. I mean, it was really cold. It was like a December in San Francisco. I wore this big jacket and I walked around and posted my flyers on every single lamppost in San Francisco for hours and hours and hours. And halfway through, I was like, wait, I think this was the same strategy I had when I was like 11 years old trying to mow lawns. Like, <laughs> this is so dumb. And, you know, surprise, surprise, not a single customer came from this idea. Not a, not a single one. Um, so it was absolutely brutal. But yeah, the, the way the business ultimately started, and I highly recommend anyone think about this, was meetup.com. Meetup.com, in my opinion, is the single best way for uh, entrepreneurs that have a new idea to get their initial users because meetup.com is the, in my opinion, the fastest way to bootstrap an email list. So if you go to meetup.com, you can create a meetup group. I think it's $15 a month. It's really cheap to create a meetup group. Um, and you can, you kind of set your categories when you go through the account creation process and meetup will email everyone in your city that's interested in those categories. So I created the San Francisco SEO meetup in 2011 or 2012. And within three days, you know, I kind of created the cat, the tag categories, SEO, digital marketing, Google analytics, those kinds of things. And, you know, within three days, meetup emails, everyone in the San Francisco Bay area interested in that. And there was like a hundred something users within three days. I held one happy hour. Right, picked a bar Thursday night, 6 p.m., called them ahead of time and said, like, hey, can I bring 30 people by? I didn't even pay for anything, just kind of picked up place and time and told everyone to, to show up. Maybe I did one more happy hour after that. Um, but yeah, uh, as I kind of did those happy hours, the list grew a little bit more. And so I suddenly had 150 people. Um, then when the product was ready and I was like ready to do the first class, I use that email list. I use the, the meetup list. Uh, and one thing I recommend some people do, there's a lot of literature out there on whether or not you should do stuff for free for your first users. Um, I wanted to do it for free, but I never made it seem free. So one tactic I use is I, I taught this SEO course and I said, hey, I'm teaching this SEO course on a, on a Saturday morning. Normally $500 per user. It's going to be free for the first 20 people to email me. I'll give you a promo code. And this, this is pretty critical when you use meetup.com because everyone on meetup ghosts you, everybody flakes. And so your attendance rates in general on meetup will be about 30%. But if you do a tactic like this, you put a price tag on it and then you give a promo code to access it for free, your attendance rates will go from about 30% to about 70%. So this is pretty critical. This is how I got my first users. And then, you know, I kind of worked on the product from there. And then once the, um, once the online course was ready, when I pivoted from an offline course to an online course, I did the exact same thing. Hey, this online course, it's $99. Uh, but the first 20 people that email me, I'll give access to for free. First, maybe 50 or 100 people. And then you use all those people. Those people end up giving reviews. You, you, you just ask for in exchange for an honest review, right? Those people end up with a bunch of reviews. And then the course suddenly has 100 users, you know, 15 five-star reviews. And then from there, people started signing up. So... 
Um, meetup.com I think is one of the most underrated ways to get this stuff started because it's offline. You can hang out with your customers. You can figure out what their problems are. Um, your competitors probably won't be doing it because they're lazy and no one wants to leave their basement. <laughs> and it becomes, it becomes a really, um, kind of ideal way to get a, a really nice targeted email list going in just a couple days. No, I totally agree. And I actually, um, there's actually a crazy, uh, fact that I found out recently. Um, there is almost no networking events in LA for tech. Uh, there's like one every two weeks. That's pretty good. And it's <clears throat> actually, let me rephrase that. There's like one every two weeks that has like maybe 25 people show up. Um, but Los Angeles has millions of people and there are tens of thousands of tech people and I, I don't understand it. So I'm actually hosting my first networking event on Tuesday, next Tuesday. Uh, I got a pretty fat list of people that want to go. I'm debating on putting it on meetup, but also I don't want to like have too many people show up that I don't know. Um, I kind of want my first one to be controlled, but I will definitely look into meetup though. So I've definitely thought about it, but that's, that's honestly one of the coolest, um, like how I started my business ideas ever. Cause I'm in the same boat. Like, you know, I want to make new connections. So I'm going to host my own event and I'm going to meet a bunch of cool people, you know, to see what happens. So, uh, I think that's such a smart idea to be the host of the event because people don't realize like the host meets everyone. Like you can go to an SEO event or you can host one. And then every single person at that event knows who you are. Yep. That's exactly right. When you were hosting it, were you, um, did you, did people go into it knowing that you were going to like, you know, promote this service? Like, did you give a talk or was it just like, Hey, it's just a networking event, whatever. Like you did it really casually and then turned it into a, like a sales kind of thing. Yeah, no. Um, it was, the product wasn't even created yet and I never did any selling. Um, and in fact, a lot of the initial users, and this is sort of the difference between an offline product and a digital product. Um, but the, no, there was no selling at all. And that, that wasn't a, um, that wasn't a like, an altruistic thing. It wasn't like a moral thing. There were, you know, if, if I had a product and there would have been an opportunity to sell, maybe I would have, but it really wasn't that. It was just more like get a bunch of people interested in, in that my topic in a room, figure out their problems and kind of like move them, like move them around. Right. And so, uh, no, there was never any selling. And a lot of those initial users never paid at all, but they were the first users to give feedback. They were the first users to leave five-star reviews. They were the first ones to be the customer avatars. They were kind of the caveat to, to get going. I'm not saying one way is better than the other, but what I am saying is, you know, I had, a, I had 150 something people. I just created a ton of value for them, never asked for a dime. And then it turned into the catalyst that is my, my business now, eight years later and 10,000 paid users. So it was a fast way to get going. That is so, and, and are those paid users, is that a monthly thing? That, that's one time like, overall? Uh, yeah, the majority of our, we do have an, an ongoing monthly recurring product, but it's pretty small relative to everything else. So the majority of those users are, um, are, are, are one time. Yeah, one time. Very cool. And do you do any freelancing on the side for like other companies? Like, hey, we need an SEO update. Like, here's like, you know, $2 million or like, what are you, <laughs> like what nope, you, no, uh, no. I mean, you, you would, if that was the situation. Actually, yeah. no. Um, we, you know, we get, a, we, we get a lot of offers for those, but we usually just send them over to people we trust or, or friends like that. But yeah, the, we're, we're really dialed into scaling training for teams. So we don't take on any work. We don't take on in consulting or, or any agency work or anything like that. 
Gotcha. Sorry, I thought you were saying actually no to my two million hypothetical question, and I was like, "Are you joking right now?" Right now? Uh, so if someone said, "Here's two million dollars to do our SEO for a month," would, you would you would say yes, right? Two million for a month? Uh, I would probably make an exception for that. Yes, and do that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, "There's no way you're not doing that." Every everyone has everyone has a price. Everyone has a price, right? But yeah, I mean, we do we do get we probably get one to five requests per week and we say no to 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 every single one no one's coming with the two million dollars for one month of work offer yet but if if they if you know somebody let me know <laughs> yeah everyone everyone listening you know the price if you come with 1.9 million get that shit out of here <laughs> exactly boom so uh do you have anything you want to leave people with um any seo tips any um any plugs anything you want to do just kind of leave them with right here I think the big thing, um, especially for people who are uh, who are just getting this going, is this this kind of trope that's going around entrepreneur circles called the thousand day rule. And the idea here is it takes about a thousand days to get your side project to replace your full time job income. And I'd heard this you know, when I'd been working on my business for a while and I thought, oh, that's interesting. That seems really long. But then I went back and checked and it was crazy how close it was for me. Like I, I actually checked down to the day and for me, it was like a thousand and forty days. And um, I've talked to and asked a number of other entrepreneurs and I keep meeting people that are all between, you know, 850 and, and 1200 days and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, if you're on Instagram <laughs> drinking the Kool-Aid and seeing all these people that are like, look, I started this multi-level marketing business yesterday and today I have a Lambo. And <laughs> like, it'll really ruin your psychology, right? Because everyone wants a quick win. Everyone wants it by tomorrow. Everyone wants it really fast. And the reality is, if you haven't started yet, if you're just thinking about this, it's going to take about three years if everything goes right just to replace your current salary. And for a lot of people, that's brutal. Uh, that, <laughs> that's really hard to stomach, um, especially if you don't love what you do. So as dorky and cliche and hallmarky as that sounds, focusing on something where it feels like play to you and work to everyone else is really critical if, if you're going to sign up for the long haul. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. I think I was looking at, I, I Googled while you're saying that I Googled a thousand days before today. I think I'm a little past a thousand days to be honest, but you know, I'm gonna call it like a thousand two hundred and we'll, uh, I should be uh, going full time here in the next uh, month or two. So a nice. um, uh, thousand, thousand day rule. There you go. Or 10,000 hours, if you will. Yeah, there you go. Um, very cool. Tommy, this was, this was so awesome, man. I can't wait to post this episode. And um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Corey, this was great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Click-minded. Boom. So first of all, you guys are all so amazing. We hit 10,000 downloads for the first season alone. I don't know if that's going to go up or go down for season two, but I'm just really excited. I got to meet the coolest people Got to travel around mostly the LA area and just meet people that have done some amazing things. I was at NFL Network interviewing the VP of the NFL. I went to the Hollywood Hills, was interviewing Garen Jones. I went to the other side of the Hollywood Hills. I was interviewing Ian Chen, got to see their home office. I mean, it was such a cool experience. I'm so thankful that you guys were a part of it. 
And I've got some, I'm not going to say better, but I've got some really awesome interviews coming at you for season two. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I guarantee I don't update this till the end of season two. So if you're watching the last episode of season two and I'm hyping you up for all the episodes of season two, sorry about that. Guarantee I'll forget. And uh, cool guys. (laughs) Thank you so much for being a part of this. Please leave five stars if you can in the, in the podcast store. I don't think Google allows you to do that. But uh, leave a mental five stars if you want. And feel free and comment. Give me some feedback. I'm always looking to improve. And just thank you so much for being a part of the We Strive podcast.